Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul MacDonald alongside Deepak Gohill. Hello, Deepak. Hi, Paul. And joining us on the show is a previous guest and a member of the Frequency 49 show group, James Little. Hello, James. Hello. Great to have you on the show again. So the 49ers returned home after a two-game road trip to host longtime rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. And it started out well with the 49ers jumping to a 14 to nothing lead on the back of a curly 33-yard touchdown in the first quarter and a three-yard rushing Carlos Hyde touchdown to open the second quarter. After that, though, the wheels kind of fell off. And what we'd been tricked into believing might be light at the end of the tunnel instead turned out to be the headlight on the misery freight train headed straight for us while we're tied on the tracks in front of it, helplessly watching it approach. And in the second half, it got really bad. Deepak, what, where can we go from here? Yeah, OK, where do we go from here? Well, look, we've got to look at it like this. Uh, we beat the Rams in week one and then we come across um, two much better opponents. Um, in Seattle and now Dallas, okay. The thing that worries me about Dallas is that this was a beatable team that we didn't put away after getting to a, a strong start. And the other thing about Dallas is that they're not a premium team, okay? So they're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl berth, okay? They're not they're not Seattle, you know, they're they're not Carolina. They're they're just an average, ordinary team. And they beat us. And I think we can do a post-mortem on why they beat us. I'll, I'll say that the referees certainly helped their cause, but I'll also add the disclaimer that if that bum call hadn't happened, we still would have run out of steam. We definitely would. Um, there was that many issues on the field. We were absolutely bulky all over the place. <laughs> Time of possession. One, one of the things I've had an issue with, James, we're going to bring you in on this as well, sorry. Um, okay. One of the issues that we know I've had, uh, one of the things that we've had an issue with through the course of this season has been the time of possession. Looking at the time of possession yesterday, we had the ball for 23 minutes and 33 seconds. You do not win football games when you only have bulkying football for 60% or for 40% of the time. That means Dallas had the ball for 60% of the time. We make it easy for them to beat us, don't we, James? We do, yeah. It, it's Chip Kelly's system. This is the this is the reason with the time position, uh, the reason we only have the ball for, you know, well, we're going to have the ball less than our opponents is because of the pace and the uh, no huddle and the hurry-up system that he runs. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because... You know, when you're watching it, you want to watch your team do things. And if you're playing badly, like we are, well, we've started well, but we are mainly playing badly. Look at our record. It's You want to see your team with the ball doing things. Uh, and unfortunately for us, it's uh, quickly over. And we're watching, spending our time watching the game, watching our opponents with the ball constantly. It's frustrating to say the least. Looking out of the stats from yesterday's game, Blake Gabbert completed 16 of 23 attempts for 196 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That was late in the game. We're going to talk about that soon. Um, Rushing-wise, Carlos Hyde was the leading rusher, 15 for 74 yards, average of 4.3 yards a carry. Changing the attack of the show slightly, I um, want to touch on a serious point. Um, the Navarro-Bowman injury absolutely devastating for us it does look like it is the, the is the achilles um he's waiting on um having an mri scan 
if it is a torn Achilles, he's done for the season. My worry is, Deepak, is he done for life? Is that his football career over? Well, um, I think that's a really good point, and I'd have to err on the side of that caution that, A, if he does recover from that injury, and it's a very serious injury, would he want to continue playing? And, mm. you know, you could forgive him quite easily for thinking, no, I don't want to, because he may not be as strong as he was before the injury, you know. And the poor guy's been plagued by injuries since that NFC Championship game against Seattle. You know, he was that mm. the whole season and now this. I think the loss to the 49ers is absolutely devastating. It's a crippling blow to this team because not only is he the only lights-out player that we've got, but he's the only real leader on the team because of his experience and he leads by example. And I think you know, we're going to be losing more than just the linebacker here. We're going to lose very much the talisman figure of the team. The heart of the team, indeed. Yeah, it's it's the biggest blow, uh, and like you say, if it is a well, it's, it's a, it sounds like a season-ending injury, possibly a career-ending in, injury, but uh, yeah, he's you're gonna you gotta think he's is he gonna want to come back to the the team as it is now? He he's our leader, the most experienced mm. player we've got, um, and it it goes from bad to worse, or from Balke to Balke. <laughs> when Bowman was in the game uh, Ezekiel Elliott's longest run was 10 yards and he'd rushed for 53 yards on 11 carries following his exit following Navarro Bowman's exit Ezekiel Elliott had runs of 26 23 and 17 yards that just shows you what an impact Navarro Bowman was having on the game it also shows you how much of a one-man team yeah. and a one-man squad the 49ers are now. Yeah, I mean, Losing Bowman in, in that game it hurts you in different ways. You're not just losing a linebacker. Like James said, we're missing the heart of the team. And yeah. there's a lot of guys on that team who look up to Navarro Bowman and he's not there, you know. Mm. And instead of playing for him, they just, um, the heads dropped. But I think... At the time in the game when Bowman was injured, the defence had already been out on the field a very, very long time. So combine that with office fatigue, etc., then, um, you know, I think our defence was finished by that stage. They were worn out, completely worn out. And, you know, <laughs> when they are tired and they've got, you know, the line have got Bowman behind them, uh, you know, pointing out various things, Gene them up, being a leader. He's always standing there in the middle, you know, Gene up the players or the crowd. Uh, we draw so much from him. And then, like, like Deepak said, as soon as he went off the pitch, they were already done. And for me, yeah, that, that finished them. You know, they were, they were so tired as it was. Um, and then to lose your leader who gives you that little bit extra um, and strives you to push and go a bit harder, um, to lose that, you know, their heads went. Uh, and I think physically and mentally, our defense, defense fell apart at that point. Mm. I also think that there's another angle to Bowman's injury. I think if it does indeed become a career-ending injury or an injury that he decides he no longer wants to return and, and play play the game any longer, 
that is pretty much our last connection with the San Francisco 49ers from Candlestick. And yeah. The, the slate would be sort of wiped clean at long last for those who want that in Santa Clara, that there are no original 49ers left anymore. There might be one. I'm trying to think who else could still be on the roster from when we played at Candlestick, and I can't think of it. Joe Staley. Staley, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not that far to go, is he really? No, but, no. But I think... Um, that type of internal attrition might be something that front office possibly wants, you know, because they've always wanted to rebrand the club for that area. They've always, they've distanced themselves from the city. I know they played uh, some of the training camp in downtown San Francisco at Kizar Stadium, but, you know, I, I think it does mark the beginning of the very, very end of the San Francisco connection to this franchise. Mm. Do you think that eventually going down that trail of thought then you could see a complete rebranding in terms of the name yeah. or do you think, think they would maintain the name because of the history that's with it? I think that's a good question and um, when you consider that Oakland is closer to San Francisco than Santa Clara is <laughs> you know um, what I'm driving <laughs> at here is that they could have done the, the, the whole change of the name and everything when they wanted to. A precedent's been set here when the Cardinals played in Phoenix. They were known as the, they were known as the Phoenix Cardinals, right? And then, mm. uh, and then they became the Arizona Cardinals. They were named after the state. You know, yeah. So, so a precedent has been set where a team in the same geographic location has changed the, the sort of name slightly. I, I don't know if they would ever change to Santa Clara 49ers. And I think if they did do that, I don't think it would be very popular with the fans, but at the end of the day, though, we are in name name only, aren't we, really? Yeah. Mm. You know, we don't really have a, an affiliation to the city anymore. So we our affiliation is just name only, and I don't think it's really neither here nor there now. It's too far down. Uh, looking again at the, uh, at the stat, Gabbert has connected on just one of 11 throws of 20-plus yards this season. Now, yesterday again, he had major issues with his completions. We can't forget the Hail Mary that just didn't happen um, at the end of the game. It was completely off target. Why would that have been a scripted play? You know, would that have come in from the sidelines, knowing how bad Gabbert is on long throws? What was the thinking there? I don't think Chip Kelly engineers plays based on on that i think he, he he engineers plays on how well they're likely to work against a set defense i think the problem that we've got we've said this every effing podcast up to now i can't bring myself to curse but we just don't have the players that are capable of executing the plays kelly would want to to run or the ones that kelly thinks are executable you know mm. I, I just don't think we have the talent level to be able to execute and i think there's a you know, Gabbert is clearly not the answer. You know, he clearly isn't. Kaepernick, is he the answer? Is he fit? Is he what? Nobody knows about him. But I do think that the time's right now to let Christian Ponder have a go. What's the worst that could happen? You know. <laughs> That's something Donald Trump said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're right. What is the what, what have we got to lose? Because we're not rebuilding okay, the only thing that we're really playing for is the first round draft choice. And, yeah. you know, whilst I don't ever want our team to deliberately lose so we can get a first round draft choice, 
But I think it's safe to say that we are very much on course for a very high selection in, in the 2017 draft in April uh, at mm. this current rate. And guess who gets to pick it? <laughs> it's well, that Balky. Well, we don't know yet, do we? He might not be the Balky that picks it. might be another Balky or we just don't know, you know. <laughs> Thing is, which, whichever way we look at it now, the season's balkied. You know, it, it's it's completely, it's completely. I'm loving this show. I'm really loving this show. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's messed up beyond all recognition. Let's have a look at Facebook. Um, I actually put a post up earlier about the quarterback situation, and. We, you know, we've discussed the quarterback situation endlessly. You've got Kaepernick, you've got Gabbert, you've got Ponder. And I, I put forward the question, who else is there out there that we could possibly look at as a quarterback? Not long term, but just for the rest of the season, bring somebody in. Obviously, we'd all want Montana to come back out of retirement. The man can't. He's far too old. So it was sort of keep it realistic. An interesting suggestion was Geno Smith trading with the trading to get Geno Smith in. What's your thoughts on that, Deepak? Okay, Geno Smith. Well, if he was that good, he wouldn't be available to us. Okay, so what we need is somebody <laughs> who's capable of executing the place of Chip Kelly's got. The other mm. question you need to ask yourself is: Do you see Geno Smith leading this team? Once all the draft choices have been selected that we've that we've got coming to us, once we've got the pieces that are missing, is he the guy that will be able to to lead this team into the playoffs and and beyond? You know, that's the question you have to ask yourself. He, he could well be. You know, we don't know how well he could gel in with with other acquisitions, but clearly, you know, and and I've said this on Facebook, this rebuild is not about acquiring new players. I think, you know. We are blaming people and we are blaming Balky. But I think ultimately you can only blame a coach and a, a general manager for so long. The finger of blame actually lies a layer above Trent Balky. And mm. that's the real issue that we've got right now. But we, we cannot have a conscientious rebuild when we don't have somebody in place that can guide us through that process to be a part of the rebuilding process and come out the other side having developed not only themselves but developed with the team that has gone through the rebuild with them you know so yeah bring Gino bring Sanchez bring whoever you want but the question you've got to ask is will they really be the people that will stay with the team and be that quarterback be that Drew Brees or be that Russell Wilson you know, mm. be one of those guys that's actually going to emerge through a rebuild and contribute and give a significant achievement. You know, we're not talking about a wild card placement here. We're talking about winning number six, which yeah. has been waiting for us since 1995, 20 years. Mm. Interestingly, um, on that question, Martin Hughes said he wants the Chinese lad from the International Series game <laughs> <laughs> between Indianapolis and Jacksonville from Sunday. Um, so that was one. Of, and two people voted for Madison Bumgarner. I was like, I've got a funny feeling he's going to be a bit busy for the next couple of weeks. Um, from from the quarterbacks that we've got, um, Blaine Gabbert came third, Christian Ponder came second, Colin Kaepernick came first. We, You know, every time you ask that question, 
it's going to be a different answer, isn't it? But it was interesting to see people's thoughts on maybe bringing in somebody from outside of the organisation to, um, even if it's just a stopgap sort of thing. The thing is, we've already got three stopgaps. Yeah. Are they though? They, you know, they they're not really stopgaps, are they? If they if they're not doing the job. Well, they're not doing the job, but at the same time, by stopgap, I'm assuming that somebody will come in and then leave when we get the right free agent or the right draft choice. Maybe I didn't get the question correctly, but I think, you know, in terms of just chugging along and obligating a, a fixture schedule, we, we've probably got enough with those three. And the thing that is now a concern for me about Kaepernick is his actual health. Is he fit? Is he healthy? And is he in a position where he could step off the sideline and, and play? Because, you know, Blaine Gabbert might be just a hit away from not being able to play. And if Kaepernick's in full uniform but not fit, then what's going mm. on? This was a question from the Seattle game that still hasn't been answered correctly by the media or by the team. Yeah, it's a big worry for me. When I was watching this yesterday, and every time they went to the sidelines, he was sitting down. Now, if he... <laughs> I know I'm not, I don't expect him to be on the sideline doing star jumps, but he was sitting down. He looked very inactive mm. for an active player. Um, whereas, I, I don't if he's not healthy enough to be in the game, then he shouldn't be backing up our quarterback. Because if Gabbert had gone down yesterday, and he'd have took on the field. And if he's not healthy, could have risked his health, and we could have had you know Christian Ponder. That could have been, you know, worst case scenario, obviously. But he shouldn't be around the team if he's not well, well not well enough. Do you know what I mean? Not healthy enough to be uh, of use. True, but but that said, you know, I've seen the the poll on Facebook, and and Kaepernick is a very popular choice. And you know, credit to those people who say it should be Kaepernick. I, I think they make a very very valid case for it because. Really, what have we got to lose, you know? And yeah. <clears throat> I, I was one Ka- of them people. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I'm not a Cap fan. Most people know that. But I'll, I'll be honest, and I'll say this with complete transparency, that giving him a game would be more beneficial for the team than not playing him. Because, you know, he's worried about his confidence. He's got the other stuff going on with his um, political stand, which I, I completely respect. And I certainly don't think any less of him for making that stand. But I do think that it would benefit the club, the, the team as a whole, if he was fit, to get a little run around, you know, because there is nothing to lose. You know, Kaepernick's mm. not the answer, but neither's Gabbert and neither's Ponder. So why why stick with one flavour when we can have three, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, we know, we, we've seen in the last four games and last season, what Gabbert's limitations are. We've seen how he's playing his game of football we don't know what is in Kaepernick's head right now we don't know what kind of football he can play we saw the early early parts of last season how bad it was the thing is he was behind a different O-line then he was behind a different uh, 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 an offensive line that couldn't block to save its life we've got a much better line this time this would give us an opportunity to see well has Kaepernick reversed his regression is he on the upward slope again or is it time to cut all ties with Kaepernick put him on the trading block and get rid of him we can't answer that without seeing him 
on the field. Precisely. I think the, if you if you see him play for a couple of games under those conditions, you know we have got a vastly improved O line. Um, not that I think O line should ever ever been a crutch for him. Russell Wilson's O line was a million times worse, and he yeah. still delivered. You know, so I don't buy that O line yeah. nonsense for one second. But I do believe that you know that answer. If Chip Kelly says to him, "It's a fresh blanket of snow. Be creative. You know, go for the run when you want to. Do the do the draw play when you want to. You know, look for the man that you want to hit in stride." If Chip Kelly gives him that freedom rather than forces him to play in a style that he doesn't want to play, and Kaepernick mm. could well flourish. You know, could well flourish. He could well be the Kaepernick that we remembered so fondly, or he could be the Kaepernick that most people no is Kaepernick you know the the player that's got a lot of potential but somewhere in there is the truth and I, and I only think we'll know if he gets an opportunity to play and and, and I think he, he needs an opportunity to play the team need a, a new a new face at QB to, to give them a lift you know if not Kaepernick then certainly Ponder you know um, one of those two I would only place Kaepernick above Ponder because we've seen what Kaepernick can do, you know, when, mm. he, when, when he's given the creative license to play his game, it can be devastating. We don't know about Ponder. I took from yesterday, uh, you know, the, the amount of times that Gabbert uh, ran the option, read option, and he just ended up, and I was thinking, every time, and he kept coming, uh, kept coming out, rolling out the pocket. So, you know, as you say, the argument with the O-line, if you're coming out of their protection, Anyway, to play designs. Yeah, that's on you. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and Gabbert was doing it. He was getting nowhere. Could Cap do it and get somewhere? Let's find out. Let's give him a chance. Uh, yeah, what have we got to lose yet again? Let's have a look at some of the comments that have come through um, on our post-mortem thread on the Frequency 49 Show group page. Mark Harrison, quite frankly, I think we're doomed without Bowman. He makes a huge difference to the D, as Ezekiel Elliott proved last night. The season is written off four games in, bulky out. How dare you say something like that? Andrew Eifold, I think Bowman was our talisman, and without him, I really don't see many wins coming. Our offensive play just seems lost after jumping out to a 14-point lead and only scoring three points for the rest of the game. Mike Farron, I predicted five wins before the start of the season. I'd like to revise that to three, please. Nope, not allowed to, Mike. Um, I just don't see the same style as Kelly's offense in Philly. Just looks pedestrian and, and without a plan. It's a very good point. We don't attack. We seem stifled and scared to gamble. It's going to be a long five years. Yours, doom and gloom, Carlisle. We'll get back to some more of those comments uh, shortly. Um, but let's take those points there. The offense is slow, isn't it? Despite it being supposedly being a very fast offense and Chip Kelly being known for having a fast offensive pace, they do look kind of pedestrian, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are those are fundamental things that a team should be able to do in their sleep. Does that suggest that they're not prepared or lazy or ill-disciplined? You know, pedestrian, yes. Uh, and... To a lesser degree, I'll blame the defense of being somewhat pedestrian every time the running back managed to punch through the hole. The gap between the safeties and the linebackers looked like 20 yards as far as I was concerned. I'm mm. like, we're not filling that box in at all, and nobody wants to. you know. So I think lethargy is breeding lethargy here. And 
The one thing that has encouraged me from reading all the, the posts on Facebook, etc., is that nobody's actually blaming Chip Kelly for any of this. And mm. and and I I sort of like that, that nobody is, because I think of all the people who should have a finger pointed at them, I don't believe Kelly should be. I think everybody's recognised that all of our problems were there long before Chip Kelly arrived. They were there really before Jim Tomsula took over as head coach. You know, th- this decline started under Jim, Jim Harbour's reign. Um, whether it was Jim Harbour, whether it was Trent Balke's influence, but that's when this problem started. Jim Tomsula inherited what is effectively a Falky train wreck, and Chip Kelly has now inherited Jim Tomsula's train wreck. Ha- Sorry, but Harbour also inherited the train wreck <laughs> on the Singletary. Yeah, that was a train wreck. That was like this right now. Yeah, but under Harbour, at least he was able to do something with it. You know, you, you don't take a train wreck to the Super Bowl. He he was able to take this team, mould it, turn it around and create something that we, could, we as fans could be proud of. Then, after two years, we, saw, we started to see the decline in that team. True, but look what it cost Harbour. The way he wanted to do it ultimately cost him his his job, didn't it? You know, I mean, relationship between him and Bulky wasn't very good. Between him and the owner wasn't very good, which suggests that the front front office is paying way too much attention about what's going on in the locker room. Owners mm. should just own. Okay, they should just look at the day to day running of the team, the actual team selections, etc. That's the job for the coach and. Yep. I think the writing on the wall for me came even before the season had started when I read that it was Trent Balky that picked the 53-man roster and not yeah. Chip Kelly. Uh, as soon as I saw that, uh, I thought, well, that's the end of that then. You know, we don't really know who the head coach is here now. There's another comment here that um, I want to see if you guys agree with. Richard Burley, the offense is okay-ish, Hyde is no gore. The receivers have got butterfingers. I feel that Gabbett is actually getting better, but not fast enough. So are all the other teams. We gave away yardage too cheap against the Cowboys. We're just weak across the field in all positions. Gabbett getting better? For me, he has... He's clearly got ability because of where he was drafted. uh, He's highly thought of. I've never really heard anyone besides the media and fans slate his performances too badly that it tend to be the weapons that he's got um, mm. I mean he has put in good performances it's consistency I mean you can have the ability and the talent but it's having the mentality to execute that ability and talent consistently there's a few long words for me there um, but yeah I don't is he getting better is he the talent around him isn't getting better I'm undecided with him Mm. Uh, for me this season he's looked worse worse than he had at the tail end of last season Um, and we had you know you could say we had a worse roster at the tail end of last season yeah when when we're looking at the uh, Kaepernick when we're looking at Gabbert and the wide receivers Mark Harrison said how many times when the wide receivers do make the catch are they having to reach out for the ball or they're having to dive to get the ball? 
Gabbert is simply inaccurate. Yeah. Now, you know, would Ponder be inaccurate? We don't know. But Gabbert's inaccuracies are glaring and no more obvious than in the interception. Well, look, when he hit Curly, that was in stride and he threw that ball in the only place where it could be thrown for it to be caught. And that mm. was as perfect a throw that we've seen from a 49er quarterback in at least three years, you know. But we're looking at one we are perfect at... throw in how many absolutely awful ones. Right. Whereas for a, for an NFL quarterback, surely that equation should be the other way around. We should be seeing one or two, one or two bad throws in a sea of brilliant throws. What we're seeing is one or two brilliant throws in an absolute ocean of awful throws. I, well, I agree with you. And again, the, the problem is compounded where you've got a quarterback who's not very good and you've got a receiver core who is also not very good. And mm. before you know it, there's a not very good, there's a not very good, and you've got three not very goods in a row. You know, And none of that could, can be productive, right, when you're trying to, trying to move, the, move the ball. None of that's productive, you know. And historically, it would be the running game that loosens up the defense, so the passing game can can start. You know, I didn't think our running game was that good either, to be perfectly honest. No, I I, I like. I'm a big fan of Hyde, um, as I was with Gore, of course. But I don't know. It's somebody pointed out in the game day thread yesterday the way that Elliot uh, hits the gaps as opposed to Hyde. Hyde tends to make these stutter step. Now, whether that's the design of the plays uh, or just the running back themselves, but it's that split second is the difference for me. I think he's a great back. He's, you know, clearly our best back. And I don't know where you'd rank him in terms of the backs in the league. Um, He has got ability, but he's still learning. Um, And what's this? Is is this his third or second season? you know, second season as first choice running back, is it? Or I'm not quite, can't quite remember. But he's still learning. Um, so yeah, it's they need to. I think the other running backs need to contribute a bit more as well. Tail end of last season, Sean Drone did a few things to impress me. Hasn't done anything that stands out this season for me anyway. Uh, you can't put all the pressure on one guy. And I think you know this is really, I believe the the way to win in the NFL. It's become a quarterback-centric league for the last three years now. So everybody wants a quarterback who can air it out. You know, New England's third-string quarterback got injured and they, okay, they screwed up against Buffalo. They didn't score any, but they were never in danger of losing their first three games without Tom Brady. So this whole issue about it being a quarterback league, great. I think that makes a huge opportunity for a team who's actually quite savvy and says actually we're not going to be a quarterback team we're going to use our running backs we're going to use our fullbacks we're going to pound that O-line soften up that defense and then we're going to hit you in the air I think traditional old-fashioned smash mouth football will always be a quarterback centric league and now that we are rebuilding I would absolutely be over the moon if we look for a bruising Real hard-ass Tom Rathman type fullback, you know, and a, and a running back like Hyde. Hyde is a good running back who can spot the hole and has got that burst of speed, you know, because these defenses don't want that. 
they want to cover players. They don't want to make tackles anymore. Nobody wants to tackle anymore. I do think that we have an opportunity to to actually really make more of our running game than we actually are, simply because it takes the load off whoever our quarterback is going to be. Certainly, the quarterbacks we've got currently need every bit of help that they can get. And I bet you that Gabbard's actually relieved when the call comes from the sideline for a rush instead of a pass. And you don't need a quarterback who thinks like that. You want a quarterback who wants it to be his play every single game. Every single play, you know, has got to be him doing something. Yeah, yesterday you see Elliot screaming to the sidelines, feed me the ball, feed me the ball. They did, and it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it did. Get, it relieved a bit of pressure on that young uh, uh, Prescott there, uh, rookie QB. Uh, give him, you know, give him a few more seconds to just take in, take a breath, and, you know, and having a good back. It's a stable. You look at the teams that have achieved things. New England, obviously, <laughs> with Brady. But, you know, they've had, with uh, Blunt, uh, you know, the running game has always been a contribution to winning teams, to winning championships. You know, no team has won a championship just by flinging it all the time. There's, there's always got to be that balance. It is a quarterback-driven league, um, but, you know, they're often complemented by decent backs. Yeah. I mean, look at Seattle with their horrific O-line, which nobody ever wants to say is actually awful. But Marshawn Lynch ran riot in the backfield. He yeah. could do do whatever he want every time he touched the ball. And you know what? Nobody ever said, oh, Seattle has a really, really bulky O-line. You know, nobody ever said that. Because his numbers were good, they just assumed that his O-line was awesome, which it wasn't. It was actually worse than ours, you know. Mm. So again, that's why I don't buy this O-line. Bulky, not for one second. Right. Uh, the 49ers are on a short week again. Um it just feels like yesterday we had a show week, doesn't it? We're on another one again. Um, so there is no two-minute drill this week. Um, and because the 49ers are playing on Thursday against the Arizona Cardinals, there won't be a preview show on Wednesday. So we're going to do a quick preview of it now. God help us. Um, and that means that there's no pick six in the show either this week. So... All of our pick sixes, we're going to be putting on the thread with you guys. Um, make sure you get your pick sixes in nice and early for uh, for Kev and for Andrew so that they can collate all the results ready in time. I uh, I really don't want to ask this. Deepak, what do you think is going to happen in the Arizona game? Mm, well, forever faithful. It's Thursday now. It's not any given Sunday anymore. Uh, going to be any given Thursday I still fancy us to win because well for one I'm trying to be faithful here but for two the Rams pushed them yesterday and gave them a game and just purely using that flawed logic that if we can knock the living out of the Rams and they can give Arizona a game then why can't we uh, but I do believe that the short week is going to work against us we're going to see a lot of fatigue especially on the mm. defense yeah. Especially with missing Bowman, reshuffle, Lynch is back this on Thursday, am I right in saying? Yeah. He's so certainly that, available. He's a, yeah, we, we don't know what he's been working on, um, you know, away from what we've seen. Hopefully he can make an impact. I think he's a very good, uh, one of our better defensive players. We're going to need them now, Bowman's down. Uh, it all, for me, depends on Palmer uh, for those. They haven't really done very well so far this season. I haven't watched an awful lot of them, to be honest. Uh, only the highlights that you see on uh, NFL.com and things like that. 
But yeah, <laughs> got to stay faithful. I think we can. Uh, you know, if they haven't got Palmer and they've got who's their backup? Is it Stanton? Yes, you know, Drew Stanton. Could could we be facing a team with a worse quarterback than us? I don't know. But if it, if it isn't Palmer, that's arguable. Um, mm. Could we see Cap? You know, it's, it's another game. Uh, it's a new game week. Could be a, a new looking team. Could have a new quarterback, a defensive player back. Uh, you know, reshuffling the defense with Bowman going. So, you know, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. Look, so far this season, there's been, you know, the Bills, I know, minus uh, Brady, New England, but the Bills shut out New England. Uh, you know, who saw that? We shut out the Rams week one. Could you see, you know, before the season started, would you have said we'd have shut anyone out? So anything could happen, you know. We, we could win by 40, 50 points, maybe. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I, no, honestly, I, I absolutely love your optimism because we have to be, you know. Um, why, why, why should we be resigned to thinking we're going to lose this, we're going to lose that, you know, because Dallas is history now. We can't change that, but it's another day, it's another game, you know, and as long as we're on that field and we're going to give it a go, we still have a chance until the yeah. end of the first quarter and then you know <laughs> so J- james is the uh, james is the uh, the eternal optimist deepak you're kind of 50 50 mate we're falkied <laughs> we are absolutely screwed i don't know well yeah i, I don't I, I don't know which is the biggest surprise this season talking genuinely now arizona how badly they've done in the first four games of the season or the Rams how well they've done in the first four games of the season three games then putting the the uh, the shutout aside because looking at the looking at the 49ers now we didn't deserve that shutout against the Rams put it this way I am petrified when we go into the LA Coliseum because they are going to absolutely destroy us I think but that's for further on right now it's Arizona Bowman out we don't know what Lynch is going to be like. If it's Gabbert, we're going to be looking at the same Balky. different day. Yeah. If we're looking at Kaepernick, we don't know what Kaepernick's going to be like. Kaepernick says he's not fit. Kaepernick has been saying that his loss of weight in the off-season is what's causing him to be not ready right now. And he did lose a hell of a lot of weight. I just I don't see any positive coming from this Arizona game whatsoever. And it's on the back of a very short week, which makes it even worse. Um, I think think the short week is the bit that's going to hurt us the the very most, you know. Uh, Well, Mm. if you take Navarro Bowman out of the picture, then I do think the short week... But we're at home, right? Um, Yes, we are at home. So, well, Arizona doesn't have far to travel, but I think the fact that it's a short week, the defence is knackered, you know, it's going to need some Mm. rest. Yeah. The thing is, it's not going to get the rest under the system that Chip Kelly's running because the offense simply isn't going to be on the field long enough. Kaepernick's going to be uh, Kaepernick again. What is it with Kaepernick? Balky. Gabbard's <laughs> going to be throwing three and outs again, which means that the defense is going to be back on the field sharpish. We've gone. Uh, our time of possession has declined game on game through the first four games of the season. 23 minutes and 33 seconds 
in the Dallas game is the lowest we've had the ball, the, the lowest amount of time we've had the ball this season. I think we could see it decline again against Arizona. If that's the case, the defense aren't going to get any rest. The offense is going to be the most rested offense in the NFL because they're never on the Falking. field. We, we could go, he's, slowed, he's already slowed it down. We could go from this fast-paced, three-and-out, no-huddle system to let's just slow everything down, look into the sidelines, and you've got all those guys sitting on that bench with their head in their hands, absolutely blowing. Hang on. Yeah. Guys, before we do a wrap on this show, there, there is something that we actually need to uh, make a special mention to. And we haven't talked about it, but look at our third-down efficiency today. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yesterday. Okay, it was over 50%. That's... Pretty good for us. Pretty good. If I think off the top of my head, we were we converted eight times out of fourteen. Yeah, that's not bad. That first quarter as well. I think it was a bit of uh, that was for me. That was evidence of the system working. It was a bit of a shock and awe tactic type thing. It was thick, fast. Uh, that they were struggling to adjust to it, and you know, with with, with that call. Uh, you know, with the officials going going against us, and I'm not saying I agree with you, dear Pat. You know, we we still would have got on to lose that game. Yeah. But uh, you know, something like that can give, well, did give a massive confidence boost to our opponents because as it was looking, we were we were, you know, we, we were at that point in time we were cruising exactly. We could have gone on, you know, 28 points in the first half at least. Well, well, when you made that call. We would have got the ball. It was on fourth down. and they were, yep. I think they would yeah. have kicked a field goal or punted. I think it would, it would have been a field goal. But we would have had possession. And we could have either seen it out to close the half with or maybe got a field goal of our own, which is no bad thing. you know. But instead, we gave up 14 straight points. So it kind of made me angry that a play like that can go off in a league, which is replay-centric, that something like that simply cannot be challenged, that actually really fucked me off. Yeah, because mm. you, know, you, yeah, you know Kelly would have challenged that. And it probably would have been, should have been overturned. Yeah, it of course was, it would have been. You know. It was in, you know, it was the heat, the heat of, uh, I think it might have been you, Paul, who mentioned, you know, in the heat of the battle. Uh, yeah. You know, you when, you when you're playing, I mean, I've never played the game, but I imagine... From my sporting experience, when you're in the middle of doing something, you're not all, you're not keeping an eye on what the referees or the officials are doing. It's their job to intervene, not your job to bear them in mind. You take, yeah. you know, you're doing your actions. So for yeah. me, it was ridiculous. Completely yeah. ridiculous. And the other thing that upset me was the number of Cowboys fans inside Levi Stadium. Oh. That is payback for last season when we took over Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Or is it it's AT&T now, isn't it? Yeah, but where the hell did they get their tickets from? Uh, probably the same place that the 49ers got all the tickets from for the game last season down no, in Texas. This is Niner fans selling their tickets to the <laughs> Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Let, let's face it. Let's face it. We know how readily available. We've seen ourselves on Facebook how readily available tickets, tickets are for are. games at Levi Stadium. Um, on the subject of the third downs, guys, although we completed, what was it, 8 of 14... The 49ers completed the first seven third down attempts and then only one of the next seven third down attempts. Again, it feeds to, yeah, we had a great first quarter and part of the second quarter and then ran out of steam. So, you know, again, it's still the offense is too fast. 
or we just don't have the stamina on the offense to deal with the the kind of plays that Chip Kelly's throwing in there. Or it could underscore just how much of a momentum killer that Duff call really, really was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I'd... it affected as long into mm. the game. You know, not just when Dallas scored fourteen unanswered points when it should have been fourth down, that it it actually stayed with the team. You know, they never really shook that off. There's a big link yeah. between confidence and concentration. Uh, if you're confident in what you're doing, you're going to concentrate to strive to continue to be confident. That sounded mm. too technical about it. Um, <laughs> but you're right, James. It knocked the complete confidence out of that offense. It was moving the ball effectively. Even the defense was stepping up at that point. And, you know, a few more early points would have made, made it slightly harder for Dallas to score more in the second half. But instead, we, we get a 14-point turnaround through no fault of our own. It felt like a bit of a, a a low blow, as it was. Very much so. Um, um, it really, truly angered me. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, really, it really, really annoyed me, upset me. Well, we've pulled apart the Dallas game. We've taken a look at the Arizona game, um, however depressed it might be. I'm not going to ask you to make your picks tonight, lads. Um, as I said, we'll do that on, um, on the thread for the pick six because... The 49ers aren't actually part of the pick six this week because it's a Thursday game. So you don't have to make your picks. You don't have to say whether you think we're going to win, lose or draw. Um, any parting thoughts before we wrap this show up tonight? Yeah, just a, a couple of positive points for me was Curly. Uh, I'm a, I think he's a safe pair of hands. Uh, he's a good route runner. Uh, a good addition to the team uh, to give that a bit of credit for bringing him in. Got to give him something. <laughs> well, you know, only time will tell to see how how good he is, and it's probably because the rest of our receiver core is so poor. It's making him look so good. And also a shout out for Richard Robinson. That kid's got a bit of talent, I think. Um, yeah. I like the look of him. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. Somebody said it was the new Richard Sherman. I hope he's not the new Richard Sherman. Cause I can't stand that. Okay, <laughs> can't stand him. But uh, no, a couple of positives I took from it. You know. You, we can't all be me the eternal optimist back again uh, yeah so those two for me yesterday stood out okay Deepak I'd have to agree I think Curley is a, is a real positive because if you watched how Gabbert was playing he was actually you could see Curley was his favourite target wasn't it you know yeah. and, and he'd favour mm. throwing to him whenever he could so um, yeah I, I think that's a that's a big positive um, I think one of the things that well, it's far from a positive, but I think it certainly will be character building is to see how we react to playing without 53. My little positive, I'm going to put a positive in there. There's only 12 more games before Balky. Balky! <laughs> you don't know if he's going to Balky, though, do you? <laughs> he better have, I'm telling you. Uh, that is it for this episode of the show thanks to audionautics.com for the music thanks to Rob Newell, James Little, Mark Lyon Kev Nail and Andrew Mitchell, Catholic Reno, Gavin Sutton, Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and on the show you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49 and on Facebook search The Frequency49 Show, it's time to say goodbye boys bye everyone and sorry for being so miserable <laughs> always look on the bright side bye bye yeah, everyone that's, that's right <laughs> oh, can make a song out of that. <laughs> On behalf of James Little and Deepak Gohill, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now. <laughs>